it is a great pleasure to welcome back a good friend to our show here. It's been too long since we talked to him, but the good news is he'll be back in the Sarasota area uh, doing a concert with a lot of great jazz musicians coming up on uh, Friday, December 14th, 7.30 p.m. It'll be at uh, the Beatrice Friedman Symphony Center in the Sarasota, Florida, part of the Jazz Club of Sarasota series. And uh, we're joined by one of the great vibe players, one of the great drummers, uh, Chuck Red, uh, by telephone today. And uh, Chuck, uh, before we went on air, we're talking a little bit, but uh, I think about three or four years ago when we last kind of touched base. It's been too long, but uh, good to talk to you. How have you been? I've been fine, Doug. It's great to talk to you again. It's really uh, always a pleasure to, to be on your show and always a pleasure to be coming back to, the, to Florida, to the Sarasota area. One of the great uh, jazz areas. Uh, I grew up in New York. I think I told you that before. And uh, you know, New York, obviously, the, you know, one of the centerpieces of jazz. But I was very surprised when I came down to Sarasota how many jazz musicians, if, if they don't live here, uh, people like yourself uh, make a, at least a trip once every one or two years to perform down here. They, they love jazz here in Florida. Yeah, absolutely. There's a great jazz audience down there. Very supportive, discerning, uh, enthusiastic people there. Uh, I, uh, I played a concert for the, for the jazz club a couple of years ago on my own, as you know, and um, with, with some local musicians down there, with some great players that live right around Sarasota. And then uh, I've played, uh, I played at the Van Wazel Auditorium quite a few times over the years with Ken Poplowski and Charlie Bird and uh, the Smithsonian Jazz Masterworks Orchestra. And yeah, I, I love it down there. It's a beautiful town, beautiful area. Yeah, the show you'll be doing uh, on the 14th uh, with Ken Poplowski and the Nate Najar uh, Quartet. Uh, you've worked with uh, those uh, folks before, I imagine, right? A lot, yes, absolutely. Um, well, I've worked with Ken on and off for about, uh, wow, about 20 years now, something like that. And uh, we've played, I've played a lot in his groups, and I've hired him to play with my groups, and, uh, and he's appeared on a couple of my recordings, and I've been on some of his, and great friends and, and I always love playing with him. He's, I, I really I think he's the greatest living jazz clarinetist and one of the best saxophonists as well. And uh, Nate Najar is a young man who I first met close to 10 years ago, I'd say, and he was very young then. He was uh, maybe 21 or 22 and he came to Washington, D.C. to play and at the time I recognized that he was profoundly influenced by Charlie Bird. Mm. Uh, one of my mentors and, and a gentleman I spent many years touring with and recording with. So um, we had an immediate rapport musically, and um, he, uh, you know, I'd like I'd like to think I've helped him out a lot. I've uh, introduced him to a lot of people in the business, and he's always risen to the occasion. He's he's doing really really well right now, and he's got a brand new CD out, which which I'm on and proud to be on it. Great. Yeah, I always thought uh, that. Being a jazz musician or any kind of musician, but particularly jazz, is a lot like uh, uh, being a ball player. Uh, you work, you play ball, different, uh, you know, baseball or whatever, basketball. It's that type of thing. Uh, you kind of work together. There's great camaraderie, uh, a little competition as well. Is it like that? It seems that way. <laughs> it is. It is very much like that way. It's, um, you know, I think especially when you get to the to the point where you're working all the time and you're working with great people. I think. Um, you know, there's there's a mutual respect, and there's uh, you have you have people that are team players. Occasionally, you have people that are just stars and.
not great team players, but that doesn't happen as often in jazz as, as maybe in other areas of the music business. But but yeah, you, you're there's a great sense of camaraderie. And the other thing, which I kind of alluded to with uh, my relationship with Nate, there's there's a mentorship uh, process that goes on that's very important. And uh, I certainly had great mentors coming up: uh, Charlie Bird, Barney Kessel, Herb Ellis. Uh, the great arranger Bill Potts. Many people have helped me. You know, people from generations before me really helped guide me and, and teach me. And and some of those gentlemen that are around still do that. Um, you know, I'm 54 now, and uh, there are people like Dick Hyman and Bucky Pizzarelli that I get to work with. Oh yeah. Harry Gibbs. You know, these people are still going very strong, and uh, they're in their 80s, and they're still teaching and playing great, and it's wonderful. Yeah, Dick's a good friend of ours. Of course, lives right down in uh, Venice, a little bit south of, right. of us. Get a chance to talk to him uh, uh, several times a year. Like you said, yeah, I think he's in his mid-80s. I'm not giving anything away there. He's, he told me, and, and he said he still practices, you know, three or four hours a day, uh, uh, every day, and, and, and does shows all around, uh, all around the country. So uh, got, I guess something in music that keeps you going. <laughs> it, it really does, because you can never stop learning, and... Know, often people will ask, "Well, what was your what was your biggest performance, or your most important performance, or you know the most important performance uh, to you?" And I always tend to say, and I think a lot of musicians feel this way. I always tend to say, "Well, hopefully it's coming up very soon." Yeah, right. Because, <laughs> because that's how you really feel. There's not one performance that's more important. They're all they're all important, and you really try to continue to grow and learn and. It, it becomes quite an adventure once you kind of know what you're doing and you're out there and you're experimenting and playing with different musicians. So it's, it's really nice playing with people that are of different generations. They, you know, young musicians teach me a lot. I have a lot of wonderful students I teach at University of Maryland, and I learn a lot from my students. And um, ho- hopefully they learn a, a little from me as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was always amazed watching people like yourself and, and jazz musicians, how maybe you haven't seen each other in a while, maybe you've never played with somebody, like talking about your students, but you can just, somebody can throw out a song and you all kind of can do it. That, that's amazing to me. <laughs> right, well, it, a lot of people find that fascinating, and it's really, I think, I think it's really about knowing a common language, and we all speak that language with a little different accent. Right. There really is a common language, and um, one of the myths that's, that's possibly believed, you know, a, a belief that's possibly prevalent with a lot of people who are non-musicians is that all jazz is improvised, and it's certainly not. Uh, a lot of what we do is pre-planned, and it's thought, of, thought out and um, preconceived, and I think, I think that's... Uh, it's just about how you do it. You do it a little bit differently every time, but you may play the same notes. Yeah, there's a structure to it, but you can uh, ad lib or improvise, I guess is the proper word, uh, with the melody, right? Yeah. Right. With, that's right, around the melody and the chord structure of the tune, and, and it truly is different each time, uh, but sometimes only slightly different, and that's mm-hmm. good, too. That's wonderful, because then you're refining things, and you're... you're of sculpting something that you've been working on for many years, and that's a it's a great feeling as you watch it take shape. Time with Chuck Red. We'll be in Sarasota on December 14th. It's a Friday, 
uh, p.m. concert uh, at the Beatrice Friedman Symphony Center. We'll give out the number in a little bit uh, for tickets. But uh, just kind of, again, for folks that weren't with us before, you've worked with uh, some of the real legends. You mentioned some before, like Dick Hyman, and, and you work with one of my favorites. Uh, I had a chance now to kind of get to know his son a little bit, uh, Steve March Torme. You worked with his dad, Mel, many times, didn't you? I did, yeah. I, I kind of worked with Mel on and off for about five years uh, in the mid-'90s. Uh, I, I worked with him first at Michael's Pub in New York City. Oh, yeah. He had a, uh, he had a quintet there. I'm sure you remember that room on the east side. Sure, yeah. And um, and we played there, and then I played with him a couple times at Carnegie Hall, which was, which was great. Uh, then I played, uh, I did a six, it was like about a six or seven-week tour all around the country with him. Um, might have even been longer than that, but because I think we hit, we hit, 40, 40 cities. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and he was great every night. I mean, one he was you know doing one nighters, and uh, of course the voice can be tricky if you're if you're singing every night. You know, there's, there's, there can be endurance problems and fatigue. And he just he came out there every night and sounded fantastic every single night. And it was a great a great experience to play with Mel. He was old school. I mean, uh, he, oh, yeah. he could do it all, but, uh, you know, that show, you, you felt like he was doing it for the first time uh, every number that he sang whenever you saw him. He, right. he, never let it, he never let it get old. Yeah. That's right. I really, you, you learned from being on stage with him, you learned a lot about, about entertaining and about engaging the audience. He was, he was really, he was the real thing. And uh, that's, that's also, that's, that's one of the... Uh, a, a kind of a, an art that people have have lost to some extent. I think I think some jazz musicians have uh, let that slide a little bit. I think it's very important to connect. You don't have to be a lounge jack. You don't have to be over the top with show business or you know. But you. But it's certainly very very important to connect with an audience, to speak with them, to tell them what you're doing, and to help draw them in. Because we really, without an audience, we don't have a gig. Right. <laughs> so, so it's really good to be able to uh, cultivate the audience and to connect with them, and I, you know, and to appreciate the audience. Yeah, I mean, it, it's rare, but occasionally, you, you know, I think we've all been through that, where you see uh, a group on stage or wherever you might be that is always just playing for themselves and they're not paying any attention to the audience either. That, that doesn't work. <laughs> not really. It really doesn't. I mean, people tend to not want to come back the next time. Right. So it's important, but Mel was a master of that. He could. Uh, you know, he would he and I, and I actually I learned this from a lot of the, uh, the gentlemen from from kind of that generation. Uh, I put Charlie Bird in this category, Barney Castle, Herb Ellis, Dizzy Gillespie. They they could be tired and they could not. You could tell they really didn't feel like working that night, and they would hit the stage and they would turn on the switch and they were on from the beginning of that show until the end. <laughs> and there's so much to that. There's so there's so much uh, importance in that. I think. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit about what uh, the folks are going to hear on December 14th with uh, Ken Poplowski and the Nate uh, Najor Quartet. Uh, do you get together uh, by phone and kind of decide your set, or how do you work that out? And well, it's kind of, that's, that's part of it. Uh, you know, part of it is talking things over. We've also done, uh, uh, Ken and, and Nate and I have, have collaborated on some holiday programs before. Mm -hmm. This will be a kind of a holiday program, um, as well as I'm sure we'll probably do, uh, we might do a Benny Goodman tune or two, because uh, 
that's what Ken, one of the things Ken does so well. And um, we'll probably do some, uh, maybe a tune or two off of Nate's recent album, uh, you know, new album. But uh, mostly holiday, a holiday program. John Lamb will be playing bass, great bass oh, player. Oh, sure. Played with Ellington, and of course, in, he now lives in the Tampa area. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk through some things and play some of the things we've played before. And um, just, I know it'll be a swinging evening and we'll have a lot of fun because uh, it's been like that before every time we work together. And probably throw in some bossa nova because Nate does that really well, as, as does Ken. And uh, I certainly played a lot of bossa novas with Charlie Bird, so I'm pretty comfortable there, too. Great. Again, the number is... Uh Nine four one three six six fifteen fifty two three six six fifteen fifty two for uh, tickets on the fourteenth of December, part of the Sarasota uh, Jazz Clubs right here in Sarasota. And uh, Chuck, you mentioned you're on uh, the CD with uh, Nate Najar. Uh, you got any other CD projects coming up? Uh, nothing. Well, actually, I, it looks like I may be doing another one with him in mm -hmm. January. That's that's coming up. I don't have anything definite. Uh, in the works right now, uh, as you may know, I, was, I recorded for Arbors for the last three or four years, right? Uh, or more than that, gee, about five or six years actually. And we just lost Matt Domber, who was the um, president of the company and produced the recordings. Oh, I didn't know we're that. Sure yeah, he just died about uh, two months ago. Oh. We're not really sure what's going to go, what's going to happen with Arbors, uh, and I've I've got some possibilities with a couple of other labels possibly do something in the coming year in, in 2013 and I really hope to I'm, I'm I'm hoping to put something out by the end of next year and uh, but nothing definite yet but I'll let you know as soon as I have something yeah works. but my late my latest one is and you may have it it's the common thread on Arbor's uh, featuring Houston person Mickey Roker Rosano Sportiello Bob Cranshaw great and then your website, give out your website, Chuck, if you get a hold of uh, the music there or yourself or gigs. Uh, ChuckRedMusic.com, is that the website? It's just ChuckRed.com. ChuckRed.com. Yep, very easy to find. And my schedule is up there. And, um, and uh, yeah, I'm all, you know, I'm kind of all over the country these days. Things have been really busy. And, uh, but I do get to Florida a few times a year. I get to, you know, to St. Pete. Uh, there's a wonderful venue there called the Palladium where we're going to be playing night after Sarasota. Right. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's really, uh, I always love seeing my friends down in your area. It's R-E-D-D, -D, just for some folks, for if you're looking for the website, Red, Chuck Red. But you live a nomadic existence, Chuck, but that, that's the life of a musician, I guess, right? <laughs> I guess somewhat nomadic, yeah. It's, uh, it's been like that. It's, it's been very interesting my whole adult life, you know, since I was 21 years old. Uh, that was when I first went on the road, and uh, I've been around the country many times, and and I go to Europe occasionally. I I, I guess I've been about 25 times now, and um, yeah, it's just that's just how it is. You're if you're lucky enough to be asked to go and play places, you go, and and it's and you want to go share what you do with other people, and um, it's really it's really quite wonderful. It's really nice to have all these friends all over the place. I remember. Dizzy Gillespie talking about this when he was, when he got to be much older, when he was in his 70s or, you know, maybe even, I guess he was in his early 70s. And he said, he said, really what I do, he said, I just travel around the world visiting friends. Yeah. That's what I do for a living. <laughs> and sometimes it feels like that. It's wonderful because, you, you, you know, I've traveled so much at this point that I, everywhere I go, I know some people and uh, I know good musicians and 
you know, we always have a good time together. Great. Well, Chuck, we appreciate you taking a few minutes tonight. I know you've been on the road, but uh, we're glad that we could catch up with you. Again, you can see Chuck on uh, December 14th at uh, the Beatrice Friedman Symphony Center. It's a Friday night, 7.30 p.m. show with Ken Poplowski and Nate Najar's uh, quartet. And Chuck, let's not uh, wait another three or four years before we do this again, huh? <laughs> Definitely. Let's talk soon again, Doug, and uh, look forward to seeing everybody down there. Stan Brock. 30 years ago, I formed Remote Area Medical to help people overseas. But then we found generations of families in America isolated by poverty from the health care they need. Together, we can take dental, vision, and medical help to a million adults and their kids right here at home in the United States of America.